Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. My name is Ari Shapiro, and I'm uh, a very active sports journalist in the city of Toronto who does a lot of podcasting and radio work covering both the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Awesome, and you, your podcasts are, are are great. You you take a lot of time with the production, with the editing. Um, I, I'm not the the biggest hockey fan as as you and I have spoken about, but uh, the production on your what is it called? Leafs versus Habs. Very close. Habs fan versus Leafs fan. Habs fan versus Leafs fan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've heard I've heard a few of your. Uh, your intros uh, to that, and it is entertaining, uh, oh, very entertaining. Yeah, and and I can tell the the time and the effort uh, that you and your co-host put into that. So if anyone listening um, are hockey fans, that is definitely a, a podcast you wanna you wanna check out. But, I appreciate uh, you saying that. It, it really is a labor of love because I'm a big believer. Yeah. that uh, putting in genuine effort in providing something on an audio level for, for fans of a sport to consume, that's an important covenant. It's hard enough to get people's attention span today, but when you've got them for 15 or 20 minutes, that's where you can be rewarded for all your hard work by having people come back time and time again and listen to what you have to offer. Absolutely. And um, so the, the, the first time and, and the last time you were on uh, was, uh, I think, game one. Um or at least the home opener, if, if I remember correctly, of the of the Jays 2017 season. Um, we had high hopes uh, for the team. Uh, and then after that, uh, I was on your podcast. I can't remember if I was a guest or if I had called in to... Uh, I think you did both. I, I, think I you did, did both. Yeah. We, we had you on a round table. We, we, had, That's uh, right. we had a great quid pro quo thing going there that I hope we don't stop. And those were brighter days, weren't they, back in April when I came by the Pacific Pacific Junction Hotel with you sat down and you and I we had hope. for what seemed like hours. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. We did. High hopes. We had we had high hopes. Um but I think I think a month into the season you and I spoke again on, on your on your podcast and uh, the Jays had given away April uh, and were into May and uh, there were there were still people hoping and you know, as a, as a diehard Jays fan, I was hoping as well. But I took a look in the mirror and I said, you know, if I'm honest with myself and, and take a look at this team, I don't think they have what it takes to give the rest of the league a month's head start. Um, and um, I don't want to say I told you so or, you know, to anybody, but um, they didn't seem to. They, they got close a few times to, to getting, and when I say close, getting to 500. Mm. Um, but it, it wasn't it wasn't to be. And well, let me ask you this question right off the bat, Ari. Um, if you were to sum up the 2017 Jays season in a sentence or two, how would you do so? I think you characterized it. I think you characterized it very well when you said that they gave away April, because essentially what they did was they gave away a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for myself, watching this from the start with, a, with a, a true microscope and as someone who has been 
running a podcast that's now 40 or 50 episodes in over the course of a season, I think the saddest part for me was to witness the the fundamental underachievement that took place. This was Mm -hmm. a team of underachievers. And and that got lost in the shuffle, Kareem, primarily because of the injuries and because of player regression and diminished expectations to begin with. Yeah. But but let's not make uh, make no bones about it. This was a team that gave away April, came back in May on the strength of depth that quickly diminished when that depth became regular players as a result of twenty six, twenty seven mm-hmm. uh, different different athletes on the on the disabled list, and then proceeded from June onwards to basically do everything they could at every turn and every corner to not help themselves when it mattered. True. I mean, you and I know you can't control injuries. Yeah. And some players are more likely to get injured than others. I think the fan base was essentially spoiled by the previous year, which was a picture of good health, especially for the starters, to not realize just how much comeuppance was taking place. This was like this was truly a, 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 an appreciation of what baseball karma means and what baseball gods do when you start feeling the thunderstorms of injuries rain down on you. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake, in the early part of the season, they could have controlled their destiny. They went 0 for 9 in their attempts to get back to 500. And, and, you know, almost like in some kind of World War battle, they saw the gates of the town they were conquering, and that's about as far as they got. There was no way they were going to make any progress in this uh, baseball battle. Absolutely. Um, we, we've, we've tried this to, to get to get everybody uh, up, up to speed. This is our, our, our third attempt to do, to do this end-of-season wrap-up. Um, and uh, when we first tried doing it, um, the Jays had, or, or, or Atkins, uh, had his uh, end-of-season press conference um, and, and, and talked about uh, a number of things. And when you and I chatted, um, you know, while we were not recording, you you were very passionate about what he, what he, what really what he didn't say, uh, rather than what he did say, or, or, or maybe it was what he did say was just the same old, same old, and um, you were afraid that uh, Jays fans really have nothing to look forward to over the next few years. Um, you know, I, we don't have a time machine here, but let's try to go back a week. And, uh, you know, uh, Atkins is, is talking to the media, uh, talking about, you know, what he thought the year, you know, what he thought happened throughout the year and, and what okay. he's looking forward to planning for the future. Um, your thoughts on that on that press conference? Sure. For, for me, that, that press conference at the end of the year is a, a really classic political baseball tool by any organization that especially underachieved and, and failed to meet expectations. So, so in that regard, I was bracing myself for a lot of political doublespeak and psychobabble and, mm-hmm. and game-related kind of uh, justification that the average fan would kind of shrug their shoulders and say, it is what it is. Yeah. But, but to, more, to more discerning ears who found the prospect of raising ticket prices by 17% after not being able to demonstrate an ability to even play 500 baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that completely tongue-in-cheek, Kareem, because this team didn't demonstrate anything on any level this year with any consistency. Mm-hmm. They were lacking in so many departments profoundly, whether it was the speed game, whether it was their team defense, whether it was their lack of, uh, of um, runners in scoring position, um, you know, capacity that, that once upon a time when the 2015 team in September burst on the scene the way it did, was their calling card. 
was a team of destiny. We could do no wrong and seem like we were in every game this year. And we started to see signs last year that that was beginning to falter. You know, yes, this yes. Wanted offense that everybody kept talking about. You know, I, I, one of the things that really roused me up is when people tell me the Blue Jays are built for power. They have power bats. They're a home run hitting team. What the heck does that mean? Isn't the prerequisite to being a home run hitting team the ability to actually hit home to runs? To actually hit them, yeah. Right, and this year they didn't demonstrate anything. Not at all. Doing that. And, and, and with the exception of maybe the stretch where Steve Pierce had those multiple walk-off grand slams. Yeah. Um, I would argue that this year, as a, as a in totality for a baseball, Toronto baseball fan, was literally a complete write-off. Yeah. And that's why this press conference frustrated me, because they're still, they're still going on about that ridiculous oxymoronic, uh, we're going to contend and rebuild next year. Yeah, we, it was even even semantics aside, even if I don't take that expression literally, it's still offensive to me as a fan because because this team has not demonstrated a desire to invest in the team financially, nor the desire to trade assets to make itself younger and better. They're literally in a holding pattern. We're, we're, we're circling over Cincinnati for the last four and a half years, it seems like, mm-hmm. at this rate, uh, Kareem. That's how it feels. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, just before we got on the line, that the Jays announced that they fired 23 front office staff and most of them were in the PR and media department, Um, which is interesting to me. And and it's a little bit related because these are the people that, you know, you and I uh, a little bit, but other people like a a Mike Wilner or a Laura Armstrong or a Shai Davidi, rely on to get information and to craft their stories uh, and columns. Um, and now there's there's really nobody there. Uh, and so now it's now now there's no story coming from the front right. office uh, unless it comes direct from um, Shapiro or Atkins. It seems so to me that's a huge problem. Yeah. And, and it's really astute of you to pick up on that and obviously infer the conclusions that you and your listeners are already reaching, mm-hmm. which is the increased capacity to control the message. But you, really, you really can't blame them as an organization. Sure. This year, from a PR perspective, was a debacle from the start. Mm-hmm. Whether it was the way certain contract situations were handled, whether it was the way injuries and the way that they were conveyed to the media, but then if you really magnify it, go to the infamous Kevin Pillar controversial comments on the field and the way that was handled. That was a that was absolutely disastrous for the organization on so many levels. Mm-hmm. To say nothing to say nothing of the psyche of the player who then proceeded to hit one ninety four for, you know, two and a half months or whatever it was. I mean, uh, yeah, I shouldn't say that. I think it was only a month and a half, but but Kevin Pillar wasn't the same after that moment in the way it was handled. And then you look to Roberto Osuna. And the way uh, Arden's Welding Sportsnet broke that story um, on his social anxiety. Mm-hmm. That also, I felt, was a stumble from a PR media perspective because the organization was backpedaling and trying to catch up to a story that it, it had effectively been part of because of some really intrepid journalism on the part of, uh, of Arden's Welling. That's why he's one of my favorite guests on the Jays Journal uh, on my podcast. He, mm-hmm. he, he really goes for the heart of the story. But again, it, it deflected from the fact that the team was just really, really bad all year yeah. from the beginning. And all these events did is, is essentially not give them a chance to get back on that psychological footing necessary mm-hmm. to be able to put together some kind of baseball consistency. It's 
a long year for you. It's six and a half months, a gruelingly long 162-game, you know, journey that takes place every year. And when your team is not prepared for it it from the outset, or where you have too many political and, and, and kind of social distractions happening on and off the field, that's how you end up having the kind of year that no one will ever remember. I certainly won't. I won't look back and think twice about this year because as a fan, I think it was an, a wholly regrettable experience. Yeah. But as a sports journalist trying to get the nitty-gritty and see the spaces between the spaces, it's even it's even more uh, dissatisfying for me because I, I, I like positivity. I like talking about the sure. fun, the organic nature of baseball and where it takes you and how it, how it creates an escapism for your imagination in a world of, you know, Donald Trump and, mm-hmm. and North Korea and, and, and financial markets on the teetering on the edge. You don't want to think about those things when you're watching sport. Yeah. The Blue Jays failed to provide that kind of entertainment or competitive requirement that, again, when you finish the year and say, hey, you're going to pay 17% more next year for the product, suddenly you're scratching your head and going, wow, I feel like an absolute fool. Yeah, I hear you. What we so what we did uh, when we spoke in uh, in April was uh, we almost did like player for player. Yeah, uh, yeah you love that. You love that. You like that kind of quick yeah. rapid fire. You throw me a name. And I'll give you an <laughs> answer. Is that and, what you're asking for? Am I setting you up on your show? Yeah, that? yeah. No, that's we didn't we didn't even rehearse this. This is fantastic. Oh, um, improv, love it. So so let's 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 go through some players here. Let, let let's start off with uh, uh, with pitching. Um, and in really in no particular order. Actually, this might be an alphabetical order. But um, <laughs> let, let's start off with, with Joe Biagini. You know, here's somebody who last year, um, Rule 5 pick. Uh, if, I think that's the proper terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a, a media darling. He uh, was lights out coming out of the bullpen last year. And he was everyone's favorite interview. And uh, he was just a delight. Uh, this year, um, I, I believe he started in the bullpen, but uh, things happened uh, as, as they tend to do. Uh, and he was thrust into the starting role. Didn't have the same success. And even when he went back into the bullpen, some would say um, you know, that uh, lack of success followed him. Your, your thoughts on Biagini's season? didn't break him because hmm. that's how it feels right now i think that he's a microcosm of the season in some ways hmm. he, he he was a player that did did very extraordinary things for the spot club last year and as a result of being unprepared for injuries in particular uh the, the, bl- the blister on, on sanchez's fingers the mysterious blister that kept popping up and causing havoc on the jimmy's best laid plans yeah joe biagini was thrust into a spotlight that he craved. I mean, he wanted the opportunity. See, sure. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with the Blue Jays trying to use him in a capacity that that they felt he could help the team mm-hmm. with. But I do have a problem when it was abundantly clear to all the fans that he he doesn't have the poise to be a starter. Hmm. It, it, it could happen for him in the future, um, but at this stage in the game, I'd really like to see him go back to being a high leverage reliever because I think. As this amazingly photogenic, uh, eclectic, esoteric, eccentric mm-hmm. kind of baseball personality that he is, I fear what this experience is doing to his uh, to his game, to his psyche. You know, uh, he, he had moments. Don't get me wrong, and I, and I was applauding him from afar with uh, with a lot of other, you know, uh, media cohorts and, and and friends who were 
saying, hey, maybe this will work. But I think that as the desperation increased and the Blue Jays found themselves relying on him more and more, it was clear he didn't have what it takes. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to see that experiment ever repeated again. So let's let's go to another pitcher uh, who who knows what the future holds in terms of is he going to be a starter or is he going to be the closer? Roberto Osuna is is he? I mean, he's a young pup still. Um, he is a young pup who uh, had a young pup this year. I think it is child last month. Yeah, he's what is he? Twenty two. Twenty. Uh, Twenty three. Might be might be twenty one now. Yeah, he's he's a, he's young, um, but he has a lot of miles on him. He, he pitched in in Mexico, um, and, and and now you know he he's pitched uh, three plus seasons with the Jays as their closer. Um, but a lot of people say because of his age, are 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 we missing out on? him being a phenomenal starter. I mean, he, he loves this year. We saw him, um, I don't know, maybe five different types of pitches. Um, yeah. It, almost, almost as if he were saying in his own way to the team, look how versatile I am. Mm-hmm. So, so, so maybe on a subconscious level, that's what he was doing. Whatever he was doing, he's got to stop. That's yes. Effectively, that's what that's what effectively hurt his season. Mm-hmm. And I believe I, I believe he's going to be next year. He's going to be twenty three, so he's twenty two now. Mm-hmm. And and for me, he has demonstrated in the last in the sample size, which is not considerable, going on three plus years, that he is an elite closer. I don't think he must with that. I think it's a mistake to try to convert him, and I certainly think it's an even bigger mistake if he starts either sulking or again trying to do what he did at the end of last year. If you recall, as the, the Jays were trying to get back into it at the end of August, the beginning of September, I think he blew four or five saves in the span of about two weeks. Mm-hmm. A lot of them came because he was trying to get clever with his off-speed stuff and, and mixing his cutter rather than just rely on his old-fashioned bread-and-butter fastball. Yeah. He's got such great movement on his pitches that I think it's a, it's a mistake for the organization or the athlete to think that a, a starter's path is the right way to go. If the Blue Jays want to be competitive, especially in those close Um, a ta- a tale of two pitchers, uh, Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman. Um, I I can't remember if it was you I was speaking to about this, but it, it popped into my mind that the Jays have, you know, it's ever since these guys have come up, the Jays have treated these two pitchers very very differently. Um, they are, are, you know, in, in my mind, they're, they're, they're treating Sanchez with really kid gloves, um, with, with, uh, Stroman, um, it's like, hurry up and get back on the mound. Um, 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 what do you tell, tell me what you think about, you know, how the Jays are treating them and, and sort of your. Uh, prognosis on on these two players moving forward. We we obviously know Sanchez had some issues. Uh, he claims it was um, the stitching on the ball, and and there was a, apparently a lot of pitches were complaining about it this year. Um, but yeah, tell me about what you think about these guys. I'm not thrilled in the least at uh, at the different manner in which the organization chooses to treat their the inconsistency that they're training Stroman and Sanchez with. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Stroman demonstrated this year in particular that he is the Jays' most valuable player. 
Hmm. Um, he, he is someone who can now be relied upon for such a consistency in his big game uh, pitching that you just want to throw him out whenever he wants to go out, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, because he'll always give you a quality start. He'll always give you a, an effort that will be head and shoulders above what most of the average pitchers in the American League would offer. What bothers me enormously, though, is that even with a six war that he captured this year as a pitcher, which is just absolutely astonishing. That's huge. And, and the fact that he could have probably finished with 17 or 18 wins, if not for the fact that the bullpen struggled in, in a third of his starts. Marcus Stroll had somehow managed only one vote when they were voting for the team MVP amongst the players and coaches and staff. Huh. Out of out of 42 votes, he captured one. I think it was Josh Donaldson with one vote, Kendris Morales with one vote. Apparently, his mom I think mailed in a vote, <laughs> which is how he got that vote. And, and and 38 went to Justin Smoke. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Justin Smoke, but that's absolutely farcical. Marcus Stroll is the Blue Jays MVP. And Marcus Stroman is the one who had to go to arbitration during the winter season, uh, off-season. And we talked about this when I was on your show back in the spring. Uh, they, they basically argued the team and the athlete over $485,000, which was That's which right, in itself, yeah, which, yeah. which in itself troubled me. But now what really troubles me is knowing that Aaron Sanchez, loaded with uh, Scott Boris as his uh, Uber, uh, his Uber um, agent, mm-hmm. um, is in every third WestJet commercial. I think we saw the saddest part about this baseball season was that we, I think the combined time that we witnessed Aaron Sanchez in, in, in WestJet commercials far exceeded the amount of time Aaron Sanchez was actually on the baseball. Right. That's, that, that is a truth. That's a, that's a true perspective if you think about it because they just kept recycling these commercials and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, wow, you're representing the Blue Jays in a, in a national brand to an audience of millions. Where's Marcus? Oh, that's right. Marcus doesn't have big endorsement deals where he represents the Blue Jays. He's got to do it on his own brands, you know, HDMH. And when I look at that, I think to myself, man, that's that's a sad double standard. Because to me, it should be the reverse. Aaron mm-hmm. Sanchez has not done enough to show this organization that he can be money in the bank. You can't say the same thing about Marcus Stroman. He is money in the bank. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around around it you know to, to me um you know last year um you know sanchez uh, era uh, he led the league in era sure. um you know he was he was lights out stroman the same uh and and this year i was really excited uh to, to see both of them pitch and unfortunately you know, as we know sanchez had his issues um but but to me really i mean they're they're both you know, superstars in the making and, and to see the different ways that they've been treated by the organization. Like I, I, I can't, I, it, I don't understand it. And, and I'm trying to wrap my head around, which is the better way to treat, um, a, a player, right? Um, it's a great question. And I also find it ironic that you already mentioned, the three players that really represent the core of the Blue Jays moving forward. I used to call it the Fantastic Four, but you can't put Devin Travis in that group no. as long as he remains injury-prone and with the offseason, yeah. it's obvious he may not even come back next year. But the ones mm. you named, Osuna, Stroman, and Sanchez, really, if all three of those athletes are healthy, you've got a great core that's controllable up until the year 2021. So whether or not you treat Sanchez 
like he's, you know, a spoiled rich kid or Strowman like he's, you know, in a Dickensian novel asking you for more soup. It's all going to work out the same, I think, when both athletes end up leaving the Blue Jays after 2021. I just don't see this organization with the, the posture that they're taking towards Strowman being one that will give him a big long-term deal. I think he'll just keep working hard, and then at 2021, when free agency opens up, he'll help Hunt Blanche to decide what he wants to do with his career. Sanchez, on the other hand, I think uh, that one of the reasons, when you ask the question why they're treating him this way, is because I think they're doing what, what most people do, which is currying favor to people that they're interested in. Hmm. Whether it's an athlete playing in the ballpark, or whether you're going out on a date, you're meeting someone new, or you're trying to make new friends, uh, you know, at work, it's it's the same prospect, right? Or the same process, which is show them how much you appreciate them. So the organization has embraced the athlete. Now it's up to the athlete next year to kind of push back and demonstrate what he's capable of and have a full season. And then I think you'll see the two of them sit down and sign Aaron Sanchez to the biggest uh, contract that Blue Jays ever given to a pitcher. And that's saying a lot considering how much they paid Roger Clemens back in the day comparatively. Yeah, and I don't um, think, um, you know, Sh- Shapiro um, and Atkins, they, you know, their track record from, from Cleveland was, I mean, they, they traded away some of the best pitchers in the league um, yeah, recently, right? right? Yeah, it's, it's, that's the dilemma that they have when it comes to pitching. I suppose it's a wonderful thing to know that with Jay Happ and Estrada coming back next year, and Strowman and Sanchez, mm-hmm. you're in at least you're at least really. I think you're you're in good shape um, on the starting side. The problem being though, what happens if Sanchez continues to have blister issues and one of those other three go down? You know, half is 35, uh, Estrada 34. We're not talking about 23 year old pitchers across the board. No, yeah, we're talking about a very inconsistent mixture of veterans and youth and. And uh, once again, we've got to cross our fingers if fans expect, uh, you know, a good year from the from the starting rotation. Yeah, depth depth is very very important. Um, let's go behind the plate. Russell Martin, to me, I think he showed his age. Not in terms of he was any slower or his skill set went down, but um, you know, his body started to to fail him. Is, is the way that I would frame it. Um, he's still, uh, in my opinion, you know, one of the best. Uh, catchers behind the plate uh, in terms of providing value to his pitcher. Um, but I don't know how much longer um, you know he's got in terms of being able to still provide that value with his bat um, and, and being able to play 145 plus games a year. Um, I think... I think we'll be lucky if we get 125 next year. Really? Or, or even maybe 115. I mean, I who's to say? It's it's a magic eight ball with Russell Martin. He's the oldest of the of the triumvirate that we have of leadership with Tulowitzki and Donaldson. Mm-hmm. And now now that he's pushing his mid 30s and 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 his body's starting to break down, I think he's going to come back a man possessed next year because he's in the middle of a really long contract and he knows that as he goes, so do the Blue Jays. It's as simple as that. That's if you if you got Russell Martin in 2017 for an extra 30 40 games, you're probably competing for that wild card spot. Hmm. And I genuinely I genuinely believe that. I, I believe that that the problem was the sound lack of Russell Martin opened the door to this ridiculous you know cavalcade of backup pitch, uh, catchers that nobody's even ever heard of, let alone no. appreciated appreciated what kind of you know. Um, 
example it was of going to the cupboards and, and scrounging up whatever you could find. When you've got Russell Martin behind the plate, you're, you're, you've got a better chance to win because you'll allow less runs, mm. and you've got a better chance to win because he'll probably do more for you than either one of Luke Maley or, or Miguel Montero did or, or uh, you know, any of the backups up yeah. at the beginning of the year. I mean, what fans have to do right now before they go to bed is, you don't have to be a, you don't have to be a religious person, but you should still say a prayer that Danny Jansen continues to progress as a catcher. That Max Pentecost might be able to turn some heads, um, you know, during his time in the winter league, and then hopefully there'll be a legit backup there. So at least you'll know that yeah. if Russell Martin starts to break down or needs a rest, you've got an option where it's a young player that the team's investing in, as opposed to giving these silly retreads a chance over and over again. I mean, when they picked up Montero from the Cubs. Inside, a part of me was like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty much the year. It's it's not only done, but the fact that we've now got to rely on this kind of character who got ousted from the Cubs and yeah. you know can't throw a runner if his if his life depended on it. Talk about some bigots, eh? Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, if a team has Darwin Barney and Ryan Goins in the starting lineup. Um, is the season over? You know, you know, you're in trouble when um, you've got Darwin Barney and Ryan Goins in the game, and then late in the innings, Rob Refsnyder comes in as a replacement. <laughs> like it's almost, it's almost like you're you're now in some kind of weird reverse time tunnel when you're going backwards and you're devolving as a baseball team. Um, you know, credit Ryan Goins for doing his best under the circumstances. Yeah, he, he had a great most, season. All things being said, his season doesn't look that great on paper. I mean, a lot of RBIs, but, you know, it was a classic line going season. The difference was, for some inexplicable reason this year, the more the bases were occupied, the higher his average went. I I mean, he was literally hitting over 300 with, with the bases loaded. <laughs> so he, he did his best, and, and Barney actually had a nice three-week stretch over the summer where he played along both sides of the field, but you said it best. Um, Darwin Barney and Ryan Gomes, if they're both in a baseball game and you don't have depth at second, which they don't, and you don't have depth at short, which they probably don't by virtue of Zilowitzki, and I'm not saying that because I don't think they'll come back in time. Mm-hmm. I'm, really, I'm really worried about the fact that he was a zero war player this year. I mean, $20 yeah. million dollars to not get a player who can contribute towards your goal of getting the postseason. And a lot of players did that in the Blue Jays lineup this year. Yeah, that's the... that, 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 that. That's what made this such a such a so fabulously horrible year. So first base, Justin Smoke. I, I he didn't end well, did he? Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. He was a revelation. Yeah. And uh, but he didn't end well, which was again it was even more perplexing when they did the team MVP vote and he won overwhelmingly with like ninety eight percent of the vote. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Smoke to me was was a great surprise and, and was one of the few things fans could get behind this year. But you know, Justin Smoke is a first baseman, so I, I can only talk so much about first basemen before I start to get embarrassed for myself. <laughs> because, because you know, I was a first baseman when I was growing up playing in high school. I played in the rep league, and I, I you know, I, as a left-handed hitter, I could really pull the ball and and even had a triple. I mean, that's how great I was in first baseman. But let me tell you, as a first baseman. It is what it is. It's it's a it's a bonus for the team if that's a you know that position has to be a one of productivity, but what it also needs to be is one that doesn't limit your flexibility on the infield, and that's why it's very important how the Blue Jays go about restoring some of their 
really want to see him go, but if it means getting an opportunity to build closer to what the 2019 season could spell, that's definitely a, a bona fide trading chip that I think fans will feel outraged if they lose. Hmm. What happens at second base? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the question that will haunt this regime if they don't handle it properly. And, you know, there is a great deal of optimism for young players to step up and try to make the lineup next year, in particular uh, Hernandez and Alfred. But uh, Urania, with the way he played, could present an interesting option if uh, Devin Travis, uh, and it looks like Devin Travis will come back uh, in time for the season. It's a great question. A trade might be an option too, but mm-hmm. to go back to my earlier point, if you're going to upgrade certain positions at the expense of others, that's like basically trading a queen for a bishop when it comes to second and first base. Yeah. I, w- I would rather they go acquire a bona fide second baseman by putting together a package with Justin Smoke and then worry about how they can fill the first base uh, position with either Laudy Tellez or maybe someone else that's coming up through the system that might want to start as a first baseman slash DH. Um, where the Blue Jays hurt last year mightily was in um, team defense when it came to up the middle and uh, in particular short and second. Um, and if that can't be upgraded in time for the new year, we're going to have yet another musical chairs type year of underachievers. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm as great a, a player uh, as Tulowitzki has been throughout his whole career. Um, I, I think we've seen, I think we've seen the the, the best of him, you know, in in the rearview mirror. I, I don't, I don't see how. I don't know. I, I want to be proven wrong. I think I, you're I, right. You know? I think you're right, and, and I'm hoping he'll prove everyone wrong because he does have his pride. Yeah. He has, and he has his pedigree. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. Troy Tillowitzki was at one point considered one of the top five players in the National League for a very good stretch. Yeah. I'd say about five or six years. You don't, you don't do that by accident no. or, or, or as a flash in the pan. So for me, I'm thinking Troy Tillowitzki came to Toronto with a Hall of Fame resume that is now being absolutely tarnished by frustrating injuries and underachievement. Maybe next year he comes in and at least has the kind of year. It doesn't have to be the kind of year that we fantasized about with him like when he was 23 years old, but let's yeah. hope for at least a, a very two, a good two-way effort, both defensively and offensively. Yeah. Donaldson has one year remaining before free agency. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's it. So this, so this, so this is it. Uh, obviously, he'll go to arbitrate. I guess he's arbitration el- eligible. He'll get whatever he's asking for, uh, mm-hmm. presumably. Um, and then it's like him and a bunch of all stars uh, get to free agency. Um, and, yeah. You know, he 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 doesn't see he's he had a, a fantastic. You know, yeah, he had a, an up and down season. I think mostly because of injuries. Um, but he ended the year on a tear, uh, and uh, he's another one of those uh, players that has pride in 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 his craft. Um, and I I can see him, you know, if he stays on the field, uh, having another, you know, All Star caliber, uh, MVP caliber season. Um, the question is, does he end the season as a Blue Jay? Uh, and then resigns, whether that's during the season or during the off season before, um, or do the Jays figure out a way to squeeze as much value for him via trade? 
well, if you if you accept that this can only end in one of three ways, which is he will be traded during the off season, mm-hmm. he will be traded during the regular season, mm-hmm. or he will simply become a free agent and leave. We can obviously rule out that the third option, but that third option can be replaced by the likelihood of him getting a contract from the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Do I think that's going to happen? I was on the radio in front of a lot of listeners on the Panatonic 90 in back-to-back weekends when it was basically stowing the virtues of signing him, and I still believe that. I think it's important. If this, if this organization wants to show its fans that they care about their their loyalty and what this player means to them, mm-hmm. they'll give him a contract. Uh, otherwise, I expect them to trade him during the offseason because that would be the most optimal time to get value for him. Uh, having him having him start the year and have a potential injury or somehow end up not performing as expected, then you could get into a situation that it damages both the athlete and the team. Because the athlete obviously wants to get top dollar and the team wants to be able to get what they can in terms of assets and, and value for the player. So yeah. I, I hope they sign them, but I would not be the least bit surprised if they ended up putting him in, in, in the kind of situation where the package they get for him is just too attractive to say no. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, with the big 2018 free agency field coming up that features players like Harper and Price and Bershaw, needless to say, Josh knows he's going to be paid one way or another. Oh, yes. Uh, I, th- I think this camp understands that if they're going to do something, it has to be done soon. The more time passes, the more you and I and, and the fans will get that same sinking feeling we got when we had the same conversation a year ago with Edwin Encarnacion. Who did and, uh, who did Cleveland, you know, when, when Atkins and Shapiro were there, who, who did Cleveland keep and re-sign? Like a big all-star player. The, the big one for them while they were there, let me think back, who was the big one that they had there? Now, now we're going to have to pause so you can edit this because I'm racking the brain. <laughs> oh, man. I can't think uh, of anyone. Like Carrasco, but he's still young. No, no, no. They had a very big, uh, here, let me... You might have to ask me that again later when I can look it up. Yeah. Um, we're, we're both going on the Googles. Yeah, we're both <laughs> going on the Googles here. And, and trying to figure this out because I, I don't, I don't know if, if they, you know, if they kept, I mean, in terms of someone who's hitting free agency, right? Um, did they, did they keep anybody? Um, did they resign anybody? I'm, I'm sure they. I'm sure they. There did. was someone. I'm just trying a blank, which is why I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Kluber? Yeah. You no, know, mm. Kluber. That was too recent. Um, no, it wasn't Kluber. Yeah, I don't. It might. Well. Speaking of, I'm watching the last out here. Eh? Chapman's coming to close. The Yanks are about to move on. Unbelievable. What a comeback for them being yeah. down 0-2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let... I mean, the reason I ask that question is I don't see... I think it's a surprise if the Jays do re-sign him to a long-term contract. That's That's my thinking. I'd be surprised if the Jays do. And if they do, then... All bets are off the table. Then we say, okay, they're, they've re-signed him. And not only will Donaldson want to re-sign for what he and his camp believe he's worth, but he also wants to re-sign because he wants to win, right? There's, you know, when you're talking about millions and millions of dollars, uh, you know, to you to you and I, the difference between 30 and 50 million is huge. 
Um, but I believe to to a player, it, it's not. Yes, it's huge still to that player, but I think it's okay. I've I've made my coin. Um, there's only so many toys that I can buy. Um, I want I, I want to I want to you know build a legacy, you know, and and part of that legacy for Major League Baseball players, I believe, is is not just the number of home runs or uh, the number of MVPs that they win, but it's you know how many times can we win a World Series? You know how many rings can I collect? Um, so you know for Donaldson to for the Jays to pay enough and for Donaldson to say, yes, I believe this is where the future's at, um, I think both of those things have to collide, and I don't see that happening. Well, and, and it's interesting because you asked about, you mentioned Mark Shapiro's tendencies, and we're talking about someone who was executive leader in baseball not once but twice. He's a smart cookie. He obviously knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he built some really good Cleveland teams, including the most you know, recent one before this 2017 team that's about to get eliminated. Last year's Cleveland Indians team was basically his handiwork. Yes, and, I agree. Uh, and his, his contract management and money ball influence style, of which he is a huge you know, proponent of and adherent of that school of thought, would, as you mentioned, and I agree, make it obvious that Josh Donaldson is not going to be signed for some crazy five to six year, um, you know, 25 to $30 million contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, because all the speculation has started. But I think that's all relevant at the end of the day. We can speculate on what we think that value is and what and what the organization thinks the players worth. But we know what the fans think about Josh Donaldson. We know how they feel about him. He is a very, very unique player in, in at a time in this franchise uh, history. Um, it's rare to have a player who is about to hit free agency at the top of this game who can give you MVP caliber contributions at a premium position, which mm-hmm. requires him to be both a plus defender and a player who last year hit over a thousand OPS at one point um, during a two-month stretch when he came back. So mm-hmm. if you if you look at what he's capable of, if you look at what he represents for the fans, if you look at that from a business perspective brings you credibility and how it gets people to come out to watch him specifically, I find it hard to believe this organization would say, we're going to justify not bringing this player back. Because to me, that repudiation alone basically says, we're doing what we think is best, and we really, you know, as much as we love the fans having an input in the game, we have to run it like a business. And business sense dictates that wrapping up a player on the wrong side of 30, um, and by the way, I just got distracted because the Cleveland Indians now officially just won, and now they're hugging each other, and it was a terrible call to end the game, and it was just typical MLB there. Uh, with, with Josh Donaldson, mm-hmm. um, I will remain someone who is convinced that even if you do make that commitment to that amount of money, that in a, in a sport that doesn't have a salary cap, yeah. and in a market where you have the best attendance in the league, and you're in the fourth largest baseball market in North America, as a fan, excuses for not signing him just simply won't fly. You've got to get it done. You've got to sign this guy and not look back knowing how instrumental he can be for the team and all the things that he can bring you as you grow and try to compete by having a true leader on the field for the young uh, youth that will follow in 2019 in particular. Yeah, but I don't know if Donaldson wants to be that. I don't, I don't think he wants to be that... That, that senior player to bring on, you know, new kids and teach them the game. I, I don't think he's... 
I don't I don't think that's his role or he sees that as his role. I see he needs to lead by example. I'm not talking about uh, him being that mentor to to young players, other mm-hmm. than a source of inspiration for them to understand that if you if you work hard, you can you can achieve something in this game. And and the best way to do that is to have someone who has some kind of experience or pedigree that can say, look, I'm only used to winning. I'm only used to being on a competitive team. And if you if you follow me, we will be competitive together. And he tried to do that in the second half. I mean, he single-handedly went on the on the field in, in August and September and showed the fans that his injuries are a factor, and that he is a truly a, a material player. Mm-hmm. So now now let's see whether you know who blinks first, whether the organizations can find a way to come to the athlete and say we want you to be part of this up until 2021 at least give you maybe an extra year or two, so turn it into maybe a five, six-year contract of $30 million. The fans are happy, the athletes happy, the organization's happy. Get it done. Yeah, I, th- I think the Jays have got... I, I think in order to keep him, not... I mean, money will be... I, I think all the teams will pay him the same, and they'll pay him whatever he wants, um, if, if not more. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think the deciding factor will be um, where Josh believes... Um, he has the best opportunity uh, to win. And if the Jays can prove that they have a plan and they've got moves um, up their sleeve, and uh, if Josh buys into that, then I think he stays. Um, but if he says, no, nah, I've seen what you guys do, and yes, you guys have built great teams, but it takes five to six years, and I don't know whether I'm willing to wait Five to six years, I might be willing to wait. You know, two to three, but five to six is is might be something that he says to himself. He's not willing to to wait around for. Um, well, we both know it can't take too long. This market will not sustain uh, a five to six year rebuild or a five to six year window of mm-hmm. gradually becoming competitive again. That that's that's the biggest problem with with introducing the game to a new demographic in the form of many millennials who embraced the Blue Jays for the first time as a result of 2015. Yeah. Uh, you can't turn back. The genie's out of the bottle. Now, as an organization, you have really, as I see it, two choices. You can either bite the bullet and say 2018 is going to be a year of a full rebuild. We're going to get some strong contracts uh, out of, off the table or, or strong contracts on the table that we can replace with these albatross contracts. We'll, we'll eat some of them. We'll, we'll do some some pretty crazy things in shaking up the roster. One thing's for sure, 2019 will debut with a kind of young, exciting core and nucleus that we've seen at the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. uh, as a comparison. Or they do the other option, which to me also makes sense, which is they invest in this team. They maybe hike the payroll an extra $10, $15 million. And, and hear me out, I know a lot of people will be listening to this and going, that's a pipe dream, and this, this Ari Shapiro doesn't know what he's talking about. But, <laughs> but, but expecting them to invest a little bit in such an in the elasticity of what this product represents in Toronto, it's all about winning. If you expect to sell out your games and to have people subscribe to your services and to have a 1.2 million, you know, tune in on a September, uh, you know, summer night, you have to win. Yeah, if I you're agree. not winning, if this team is losing, then the worst thing you can do is carry a 160 million dollar payroll filled with a bunch of aging, regressive, underachieving players, and instead of 76 wins, it'll be you know 69. So um, I say you know either put it in action, invest in it, and beef up the team, get Donaldson back, and take a run at it with it in the meantime with the talent that you have, as competitive as you can be, 
for start, you know, making smart, sensible trades and make 2019 look like such a fresh and exciting new year that, you know, it'll take time. You'll have to take a dip in your popularity and, and obviously, uh, you know, on your bottom on your bottom line financially. But that sacrifice could be rewarded very nicely for a very rosy long-term baseball future in Toronto. Let's move on. I, I think we can agree that the Kenyus Morales experiment uh, didn't go as well as the office had hoped for. But I remember I, I was uh, so um, supportive and excited about that move. Oh, as, as I was I. As was I, yeah. I think I think you and I were chatting, and I may have even recited a sonnet or something in ode <laughs> to, uh, to Kenyus Morales. But now having watched him, uh, day in and day out as a Toronto Blue Jay, it, it was it was mortifying to see how uh, this player was basically dead weight this year. He again was also a negative WAR player, which is a really horrible kick in the teeth when it's a DH. Because if there's one position which you're supposed to get wins above replacement from uh, the DH, DH, I mean it, it, it's one 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 role, one singular role to <laughs> hit the ball and be successful. Somehow Kendrick found a way to demonstrate how his lack of speed. Um, might be the biggest question mark as to why he's even on this team. That's, um, that's an area that, that they need to improve. I, I'd like to see him next year go for his rebound year because it is a very cost-friendly contract. I mean, $11 million for a guy capable of what he's doing is, is, is actually a very, very good deal. The yeah. problem is he played like a you know, $5 million player. So hopefully he comes back with a, with a bit of a vengeance and, and shows everyone that uh, this was an anomaly and that maybe there was an injury. And that wouldn't surprise anyone, would it, given what happened this year? So, But it, it, was, it was a disaster this season, no mm -hmm. question about it. Uh, there was a lot of players that were in and out of the outfield, but uh, for the sake of time and really the most important story, I, you know, for me, was uh, Bautista's quote-unquote last year. Um, yeah, yeah, with the, sure. with with the Blue Jays, um, I I think he um, was it 2010 when he burst onto the scene mm -hmm. uh, with 50 plus home runs, um, and then you know from from then on you know uh, I think it was da Damian, oh what's his last name with the Toronto Star, um, Cox, yeah yeah started with I wonder if he's taking the juice or whatever it is that yeah, that that yeah. he said. Um, and the way that Jose Bautista handled himself from that year forward, um, to me, made him uh, my favorite player. Uh, not just the stuff that he could do with his bat and, and his arm, uh, but the way that he carried himself uh, with, with pride without being uh, obnoxious um, and the uh, preparation that he used the, the the way he studied pitchers and the way he understood the game and uh the way he understood the game within the game you know you know what what count what what pitchers would throw at, at what counts and, and things of that nature um he just was 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 amazing um and and it was difficult i'm sure it was difficult for him uh but it was difficult for me to see not just this year but even last year he seemed to regress a lot um, but to see him end uh, this year um, as, as one of the worst seasons um, ever recorded was was painful. Um, but uh, I, I think his name very shortly will go on the uh, uh, 
on on the sky dome wall there, uh, in the, the the wall of the I don't know what they call it, the wall of excellence, level, level, level of excellence, level yeah, of excellence, no, yeah. No question, no question. Jose um, Bautista started with a roar and ended with a whimper. Mm, yes, um, you're which, right. Which which is really sad in, in how it ended, but but it's an extraordinary journey, and I had Andrew Walker uh, of. Um, Sportsnet and, and Ian Hunter from the Sporting News MLB on my show about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, and they, they summed it up succinctly as to how remarkable a player he was and the influence he had. He was baseball in Toronto. If not for Jose Bautista coming along when he did, the Blue Jays would have been admired in even greater futility in terms of appealing to their fan base. Those were some pretty lean years between mm-hmm. the transition from the disaster that was the J.P. Ricciardi era to the great promise of the Alex Anthopoulos regime. And Jose Bautista was really at the center of that. Uh, he, he was someone that, uh, that really gave the, the sport credibility at a time when it seemed abundantly clear that no one cared. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and obviously, you know, injuries catch up to a player. And if you recall, after his back-to-back 40-plus home run years, it's very difficult for him to stay healthy long enough to be able to put together the same kinds of numbers. But when he did play, he always did. And all you have to do is look at, you know, four top 10 MVP finishes and and uh, six all-star appearances to say that this was the kind of player that you don't see very often. And nope. that certainly deserves to be lauded as one of the legendary in the game. I put him right up there with Carlos Delgado, Roy Halladay, Dave Steve, Tony Fernandez, and Robbie uh, Alomar. These are these are the, the types of Blue Jays you remember in every generation, and looking back, you will, I think, undoubtedly, we will look back with fondness. He was a rough around the edges kind of guy. He had his moments of controversy and his um, naysayers and people who who refused to give him credit for anything. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but but to me, that was part of his charm, wasn't it? I mean, that was. His I think so. Was yeah. He always played with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Whether whether it was about his his uh, his um, his identity as a Dominican player, or whether it was his position as a right fielder, or whether it was his job as a cleanup hitter, or or, or for represent Canada, there's always something bothering him, stirring deep mm-hmm. inside. Ozzy Bautista. It was almost frightening. It, it, it provided a great deal of his. Um, Distinguished presence in the game compared to other players, and and when you factor in the the bat flip and, and the odor punch, there's no shortage of intrigue that that followed him. But he will be remembered for being uh, what was baseball in the city, and and I give him full credit for that, and and, and I'll miss him. I, I just think it's it's very sad that it ended the way it did because statistically he had the worst season in, in Blue Jays history in many mm-hmm. respects. Yeah. I don't want to end on a, on a sad note. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's the worst way to end a Blue Jays recap. But, but, you know, it is kind of fitting, though, Kareem, let's be frank here. It's, mm-hmm. it's the kind of year that it was. But, you know, I, I still maintain that, that they have the kinds of players and the chemistry in the clubhouse and the kind of leadership that I think there's a great mix there. A lot of people are very critical of John Gibbons. A lot of people are very critical of, of their older talent in the form of Donaldson, Martin, and Trey But I'll tell you, I really believe that there is a true je ne sais quoi in the way those players correlate with one another. And if they can stay healthy, I have no reason to think that they can't compete for a wild card spot next year. Who are some of the, the, um, the up-and-coming players uh, that we should be uh, you know, following? Come, I think, come I think next it, year or years to come. 
I think we need to pay close attention, uh, especially over over the next uh, spring training, uh, at, at what Anthony Alford and Teoscar Hernandez and Richard Urania can do to show that they that they can stick in the majors. Those three players, and you can put Carlos Ramirez on that list as well, because the way he came out of the pen raised a lot of eyebrows. He he just attacked the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at those those talented prospects and you say to yourself, okay, that's a start. We can shore up the outfield. We can maybe shore up the infield as well. Um, but then we have to pay attention to players like Ryan Baruki, who's showing a lot of uh, Tom, uh, I was going to say Tom Glavin, I was going to say Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. He, he's got that Atlanta Braves mold of consistency that as a young player to show very early in his career, he's got a lot of um, fans salivating as to what the future might hold for Baruki. Danny Jansen, as I mentioned, as a catcher, is someone that is making huge strides, and that would be a pleasant surprise to see someone come back on the scene with the kind of promise J.P. and Sebia had. You know, as short as it was, it was exciting times when he came up and he started saying, well, we might actually have a homegrown catcher. Mm-hmm. And that's what fans want to see next year. They want to see this organization take a great leap forward in the way they treat their young talent and give them a chance to play. Yeah. Enough of, of these reclamation projects, enough of these dustbin retreads that they look for to try to plug in the holes. Let youth speak loudly. Embrace the young players. Give them a chance to fill in for the Ailing Martins and Tulewitzkis and Donaldsons of the world. And then I think fans will at least appreciate that there's some kind of organic growth and development because right now this team just looks old and stagnant and tired and beaten. And hopefully management can make the right steps to at least give us a reason to think that history won't repeat itself in 2018 yeah i i, th- I think the uh a, a number of blue jays that um you know that are coming up through the minor leagues um i think we uh, have a lot to look forward to um obviously you know vladimir guerrero jr mm, um mm. people have been watching him before he was even signed um but you know he's everyone's saying that he's a he's can't miss um, and it's just a matter of him growing into his body. Um, and I think figure what I think they they pegged him at third base. Um, they, they pegged him at third. And when Keith Law comes out, Keith Law of ESPN and says that he's the number one prospect in all of organized baseball. That's wow. when you start saying to yourself, wow, that's something out of this world. Yeah. And what is he, 17, 18? No, he's more than that, 18? 18 years old. And now you're saying to yourself, by the way, Bo Bichette, He's the number two prospect in all baseball. Some people would argue that they'd actually put a couple of other players on their third or fourth. Might number two in all of baseball, or number two for the Jays. No, number two in all of baseball. My goodness, there are people who rank Bobuchet as high as number two in all of baseball because he's demonstrating incredible growth as, as an option at shortstop. So, this team in 2019 will find itself on the brink of a a electric promise that fans can embrace. The question mm-hmm. will be, how do you bridge the gap? Will 2018 be a minefield, another comedy of errors for the ball club, an uneven lack of competition, or will they be able to at least show that they can still invest in their team and let th- those pieces grow? Because you, you mentioned them, Kareem, Stroman, Asuna, Sanchez. It's important that those three in particular understand that there is no lull here. You've got to get wins. You've got to show the fans that you can be competitive. Or by autumn, you're going to hear a pin drop. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the future. I don't know if the future is is this upcoming April 2018 or or uh, or, or further down, but I, I am looking forward 
uh, to the future with uh, with this organization. Absolutely. Yeah. No Listen, question. Ari, thank you so much for taking the time to join me once again. Uh, we have to do this before April. We have to, you know, do do another podcast. You know, whether it's about hockey or whether it's just about the world of podcasting or or, or, or something else. Uh, let's make sure that, that we don't wait uh, too long before we do this again, okay? No question. I will always welcome you as a guest on either my baseball podcast, the Jays Journal podcast, or my hockey podcast, which is Habs Fan versus Leafs Fan. Always a pleasure to do great quality podcasting work with you, my friend. Thanks for your time, buddy. You got it. Star got me, it's the fire burning inside of me. No, I don't need a miracle. I got something far more powerful. And in this collective, I've got a brand new perspective. So use that might break the tension. Can't walk on water, but I'm walking through an intersection. Audible, I heard my brother say. All aboard, like it's some parade. That's me. For more, for more, for more. That's me!